How you all doing? Okay, it's good to see you all. And a very warm welcome again. Thank you. That's amazing. That's lovely. Right. I want to read from Luke chapter 18. So if you've got your Bibles, all the words will be up on the screens. Luke 18, verses 15 to 23. Luke 18. Then they also brought infants to him that he, Jesus, might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them and said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honour your father and your mother. He said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to them, You still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. And come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Well, this week, Heather, well done, guys. <laughs> Caught up, I think, at the end. <laughs> this week, Heather and I, as you know, waved our eldest daughter, Santa, off as she flew to North Carolina to begin her new life in the USA. And we'd worked out, actually, it was 30 months to the day where she arrived from Nepal, uh, where she was a missionary, and then she flew off on Wednesday. And actually, that was, I'm quite loud and echoey, that was really helpful for us because I was just asking God just for a word, just in terms of timing for me. And he just re reminded me, um, you know, that number 30 in scripture is the number that really sets someone off to start a new calling that God has on their life. So John the Baptist was 30, Jesus was 30, uh, and a number of other places. And that was a great encouragement to us. And just encourage you, if you're wanting God to give you a word, he will give it to you. So Santa flew off, there were lots of tears, mostly our tears, <laughs> lots of anticipation as we watched her plane take off and fly in the distance. And I know that some of you have already done this where um, I feel like my voice is just echoing. Is everything okay? Yep, all good. Yep, great, okay. Maybe my ears have popped or something. Um, but some of us know already what it's like to say goodbye to our children. It's hard. But you know, one of the things that we've tried to do with both our daughters is to give them roots and wings. Deep roots so that they can fly high with Jesus. We just weren't quite expecting them to take it so literally. <laughs> But you know, raising up and releasing is what we're called to do. Called to do as individuals, called to do as parents, called to do as the body of Christ, the church. And it's a principle and practice that we see in the Bible, modelled perfectly by Jesus. And it has to be something that we pursue 
for everyone, including our children. And of course, the question is rooted into who or what and released to fly with who or what. And it's not a given. Jesus makes this clear in the parable of the sower. There are a number of soil types. There's the path, there's the rocky ground, there's the thorns and the thistles, but only one soil is good. And that's the good soil that is rooted in the word of God in his presence. And then in terms of wings, flying off to find yourself. Again, this is not something that we can take for granted. Again, Jesus speaks on this. The prodigal son, for example, is a classic example of someone who spread his wings to fly and he came from a loving home, the perfect home. And yet, as we see in the story, he crashed very badly and only found healing in the wings when he came back to the Father's embrace of forgiveness and love. And that's why our vision as a church is deeply rooted into living in the transforming presence, power and love of God. Where we value intimate worship, where we value the word of God where we dig deep to ensure that his life shines through all that we do as we raise one another up in honour and in humility. Roots and wings. Deep roots so that we can fly high. And this includes our children and youth. And so on this St Matthew's Day, I just want to spend a little bit of time thinking about this for ourselves. Roots and wings, and particularly what we can do in raising up our children and our youth. You know, as it currently stands, church, and I'm speaking broadly, generally, across all the boards, church does not really represent children very well. Historically, the default position of every church, whether Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, Pentecostal, Lutheran, or whatever it is, free churches, is all geared towards adults. We only have to look at church buildings, our internal structures, styles of worship, the language, the liturgy we use. And we see the familiar pattern that has pervaded every denomination throughout the centuries. Namely, church is primarily for adults, where children are at best entertained and at worst endured, but certainly not equal in the attention and consideration, in the input and the output. And at one level we may say, well, well, what's the problem? What actually is the issue? After all, it's always been like this, even the early church, when we look at the Acts of the Apostles, it's all centred around adults. And it's true. And I think here at St Matthew's, we could walk away from the discussion with our heads held high, quite content in how we conduct ourselves and how we equip and resource our children's ministry, the amazing leaders that we have and all the resources that we pour into it and so forth. But the problem and the issue is not quite as simple as this. And there's an elephant in the room in the form of two small verses that make two very large craters in our theology and praxis. And these two small verses fundamentally challenge everything about who we are and what we do. And it's found in Luke chapter 18. Let me read them again. And David, if you've got them, it's verses 16 and 17. But Jesus called to him and said, let the little children come to me. 
and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And I love the fact that Axel is joining me in this conversation. (laughs) God's perfect timing. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom as a little child will by no means enter it. Wow. Shocking. When we think about it. It would have been a lot easier if Jesus had not said these words. But he did. And he did for good reason. You see, he was speaking in response to the disciples trying to sideline and put children in their place. Out of view, out of sight. Which is still what so much of the church tries to do. And essentially Jesus is saying three things. They're like three keys. And I I just want to go through them briefly. There's so much here to explore in each one, but I haven't got the time to do it. Three keys. Number one, if there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. Number two, children have as much right to sit at the table as we do. Number three, bringing children to Jesus releases the kingdom. I want to think about these three things. I've mentioned this before, actually, last year. If Number one, if there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. You see, without children, without childlikeness, all we have is religion and ritual, and there's lots of that around. Without children and childlikeness, all we do is dress up liturgy and just groom formality without children and childlikeness. All we do is please and appease one another, missing out on the glorious presence and power and love of God flowing in our midst. And even as adults sitting here, Jesus says to us, we have to become children to enter the kingdom of God. That was the whole discussion that Jesus had with Nicodemus in John chapter three. When he says to this respected religious leader who is well known and renowned, for his great teachings and his wisdom. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night and he wants to know how on earth Jesus is doing the things that he's doing and what this kingdom is all about. And Jesus says to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like Jesus saying to Nicodemus, you need to understand these things, but you can only do that if you're a little child. And by the way, Nicodemus, more than this, You have to be a little child if you want to receive them. And it's the same for you and I. And I suppose the question is, are we living as children in the kingdom? You know, there is a very simple test for us. Test number one, how do we see God the Father? Is he some distant... God that kind of looks at us and points the finger when we do something wrong? Or is he your dad? Is he the one that you know you can go to him anytime? Because he's always there. And then how do you see Jesus? Is he the historical figure who came and he died on the cross and who rose again? And the church was born 
and we do the things that we do. Or when we talk about him as saviour, he really has saved my life. I really know that at that point when I reached out my hand, his hand was there and he took it and rescued me. And for 70 years we've been singing God save the Queen. She is saved by Jesus. And our prayer is for King Charles III that he knows Jesus as Lord and Saviour, not because of the duty he has to perform, but because of the relationship he's built with the one who saves him. And then the Holy Spirit. How do we talk about the Holy Spirit? We, we emphasise and talk about the Holy Spirit a lot in this church because we love him. We love his presence. We love the way that he moves. We love that touch that comes at times when, you know, even at the, the driest moments of lives, his presence is there with us. But we need to hear this truth. If there are no children in our midst, the kingdom of God cannot be present. We have to come as children. But then Jesus gives us another key. Number two, children have as much right to sit at the table as we do. And that phrase, sitting at the table, it's about belonging, it's about having a voice. It's about being at home, being part of it. Or maybe putting it another way in terms of the, the passage in Luke. Children have as much right as we do. In fact, they have a preeminence to sit on the lap of Jesus, to be close to him, to hear his voice, to know his touch and to receive his blessing. You know, they don't have to wait their turn until they are older. The invitation is for now. I'm sure we all know and love David's psalm, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. But in verses five and six, he gives a revelation, and to be honest, I've only just seen it this week, where he says this, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We hear these words spoken by an adult for an adult. But you know, a child has as much right to sit at this table as anybody else. And when we think of the abuses that children endure, if you like the enemy of the child, through war, through poverty, through violence, through exploitation, through neglect, through abuse, and just take one area, slave labor, Global estimates indicate that the number of children in child labour today is over 160 million worldwide. And over the last four or five years, it's increased by nine million. Almost one in ten children are slaves somewhere around the world. It kind of makes David's Psalm 23 all the more poignant when we put children at the seat of the table you prepare a table for every child in the presence of their enemies. I know we don't think of it in this way. I've, I've, I've just not done it myself. But Jesus is revealing something so powerful here. And I think as we reflect on it and think about it, it means that we need to do all that we can 
to ensure that there is a space at the table for every child. That what they, if you like, feed on is not the crumbs that fall off the table, but they feast on the very best that God has for them. The fullness of knowing the love of the Father. The fullness of knowing that Jesus has died for them. He is their Saviour. And the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. They can know the Holy Spirit in their lives now. They can see visions and dream dreams. They can see the angels around them. And one of the things that was so precious to, to us and to Heather and I, it's like when Remy was with us, he, you knew he was seeing angels in this place. He was worshipping at the age of two with his hands up, praising God, and he's with the Saviour right now. Children can see and taste the goodness of the kingdom. It's for them as much as, as for us. And I've often wonder what church buildings would look like if children were the architects. Just imagine that. I reckon there'd be a lot of outdoor space, a lot of playground space. I think there would be a lot of animals. We would have sheep, goats, and everything else in our midst. There would be a lot of snacks to be eaten. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) And a lot of comfortable seats. One thing for sure, there would not be pews. Who thought of that? Oh my goodness. But you know, the point is, they're not second best in the kingdom. They are the key to the kingdom being present. And the king of kings rebukes anyone who tries to get in their way from drawing near. Jesus is still saying to the church, let the children come to me and then the third thing as we bring children to Jesus so the kingdom of God is released you know bringing children to him releases the things that we long to see don't we releases the miracles how people need miracles and this is in our own church family major miracles around us see so much brokenness and pain and hurt how people need lives restored to know that they are loved and they're forgiven to know that there is a place where they belong the signs and wonders that God has for us the glory, his presence the blessings of heaven that come and touch every part of our lives on earth As Jesus says, whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. That's why I love seeing the kids run about. That's why I love the noise and the chatter and everything else, even when I'm speaking. Because all your eyes go on them, not me. I know that. I (laughs) I know that. You don't need to tell me. I'm very confident in that fact. But you see where Jesus is present His kingdom is present. Where his kingdom is present, lives are changed and transformed forever. We have to do everything we can to bring children and young people to Jesus. Everything. I've spoken about this a few times. You know the 414 window? Mentioned it at our last meeting, congregational meeting, five minutes to go four minutes ago. It's a window based on a survey that was done in 2015 
by the National Association of Evangelicals, they found that 63% of Christians accepted Jesus as Lord between the ages of four and 14, concluding three things. Not only is this the time when a person is most likely to embrace the gospel between the ages of four and 14, it's also the time when a child forms an emotional impression of church. And that's good or bad. And whether it is good or bad, the quality of that investment in deposit very often lasts a lifetime. And then the third thing they concluded, in this 414 windows, the way children are often the drawbridge, and I love that phrase, the drawbridge to the rest of the family coming to church, just attracting people to find a place where they can be, where they can belong, where they can call home. I mean, that is what Roots and Wings is really all about. That is what the heart of raising up and releasing. I don't know about you, but I've read a number of things about uh, Queen Elizabeth. Her faith is just shining out in everything that's happening. Uh, and I, I, I love reading that um, when she was a small child, her father, King George VI, at bedtime, used to sing hymns to her. I love that. In the formality of a palace, with everything that they grew up with, he would sit by the bedside and sing her favorite hymns. The 414 window, a legacy that he had, that he impressed upon his daughter who was to become queen. And what a legacy she's left for us and the next generation. Queen Elizabeth, the faithful. I'd love that written about me. Not queen, but Phil. <laughs> The faithful, wouldn't you? This is what we're called to do as individuals, as parents, as grandparents, as godparents, as friends, as neighbours, and here as the body of Christ. To do everything we can to pursue after those deep roots so that we have strong wings to fly. So, very briefly, what can we all do? How can we play our part? Well, the first thing is, when children and youth ministries are mentioned in church, please do not switch off and think this is not for me. You know, in doing so, we are effectively saying, the kingdom's not for me. And that would be enormously sad. The starting point for all of us is becoming children ourselves. You know, I'm a real kid. Age 57, I act like a five-year-old at times. Um, you mostly don't see it. Sometimes you get the, the joy of the benefit of it. My family see it quite often. Um, but I'm a kid, and I'm proud of it. And I know, actually, looking amongst a lot of you, you're kids as well. And you like acting like them. But you know, in the serious side of things, you know, being a child of the kingdom is all about that childlike faith in God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The starting point is for us to live out our faith as children of God. And it's also true to say that not all of us may be gifted in actually teaching and discipling children. 
And we are so grateful for the amazing team of doing that over uh, back in the vicarage and uh, elsewhere. And the, some of you here who do incredible work teaching and raising up our kids. A real anointing and a blessing. And that's happened for many, many years. And we pray that it will continue to grow and develop. But you know, in my experience, many of us have that gift if we're just willing to take a little step and a step out. And the Holy Spirit has an incredible knack of equipping us with those things that we need. He just looks for a willing heart. And so I want to encourage each one of you to prayerfully consider again, is children and youth ministry something that you can serve in and get involved? And if it's not being part of the team, there are a few other things that we can do. Parents, godparents, neighbours, pray with your children, worship with your children. You know, if it's, a, you know, if it's appropriate, you know, sing hymns to them, worship songs, play it out loud, let them know what it is to worship the Father, Son and Holy Spirit and give them everything they can at the table to feast on him. And then practically, there are things we can do, set up, set down. Give a warm welcome to everyone who comes. Being friendly to new families and children. Getting involved in Connect, supporting our ministries. But at the heart of it, as a church community, pursuing together deep roots so that our kids, our youth, our young adults, all adults, can fly high with Jesus. And if you agree with me, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as I pray for us as a church. Invite the band up if that's okay. Father God, I thank you for the opportunities we have, not only within our own church family, but in our community to pursue after deep roots so that people can fly high with you. Not for a day or for a moment, but for a lifetime and for eternity. And so, Father, I pray that as we thought about this, you'd stir our hearts again as to what we can do individually to raise up our children and our youth to give them that deep root of faith in you so that whatever comes their way, they always know that you're with them and they always know your presence surrounding them. So speak to us, Father, in these days and weeks ahead about how we can serve and how we can give. And we pray your blessing on every child and young person here and those that are to come, that they would know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Saviour, that they would know what it is to walk in faith and to know your love with them every moment of every day. Father, bless this church family as we go out uh, into our community that we would be known as a church that embrace and welcome and love every child and family and does all, we, or does all that we can to bring faith into the heart of their lives. And Holy Spirit, we pray your protection, we pray your blessing, 
And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.